Today, we welcome a dear friend of Chime's, an amazing leader in the Chime Foundation, Sumit Ganguly, the CEO of Gavs Technologies. Submit brings with him rich experience from a number of avenues. At Gavs, he's focused on new technologies around AI-led predictive analytics, smart machines, and IT process automation. Prior to Gavs, he served as a member of the governing council at a publicly traded IT and BPO company for over six years, where he led strategic consulting, IP, and M&A operations. He also has an advanced professional certificate in finance from the Stern School of Management, a postgraduate degree in management from the India Institute of Management. And for those of you who don't know, that's the MIT of India, and a degree in electrical engineering from, uh, from the MS University of uh, Bharata. If that was not enough, he's also still pursuing more education and learning, and he is pursuing his doctorate in business administration at the LeBeau School of Business at Drexel University. <laughs> in addition to his unbelievable resume, his day job and extensive education, he teaches, he's a public speaker. He's heavily involved in philanthropic activities. He's a strong proponent of culture and human uh, intelligence or intellectual humanity. So with that being said, also one of the fun people to be around. Sumit, it is an unbelievable pleasure to have you on our Leader to Leader podcast today. Russ, thank you very much. Uh, you make me sound uh, much, much better than what it really is. Uh, but, uh, you know, when I first came to America, uh, one thing which I've always been very fascinated with is the education system of America and everything that it stands for. So I've promised myself that in some way or form, I'll always be associated with uh, the academia. And that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, that's really impressive. Well, I, I try to start all these podcasts off with a really, it's a simple question, but it's the grounding of who we are. And that's about us as a family, us as a unit in healthcare. So first and foremost, how are you and your family, your team at Gavs doing during these tough times? And it's not tough economically necessarily, tough from a relational perspective with COVID and so much going on in society right now. How are you and your team doing? So COVID has been a very up close and personal experience for us. Uh, you're aware that we work a lot with hospitals and one of the hospitals that we've been working with and we've been supporting for almost last 11 years is out of South Bronx. And that turned out to be almost the epicenter of uh, COVID. So sometime last year during this time, uh, we were kind of absolutely caught up with this existential crisis. And uh, if you'll allow me, I'll just share something with you. Please. I was speaking with the CIO of this hospital and he was, I think on his 10th floor of his building. And while he was speaking with me, he suddenly seemed a little distracted. And this was, of course, much later in the, sometime in May, maybe. And uh, he seemed very distracted, Russ. And I kind of paused and asked him what happened, uh, to which he said, uh, I'm sorry, uh, please don't mind it. I'm finally seeing the mobile morgues backing into our driveway. So we'll now have uh, something to do with the unfortunate uh, uh, dead bodies that we have in hand. 
So I'll take a pause. That's where we were last year. And uh, after that, Russ, everything else becomes slightly less important and you start putting a perspective in life and really promising yourself that going forward, whatever you'll do, you'll try and be purposeful and make some very core things important in your life. So that's really how I viewed COVID. And finally, uh, we've been over communicating during the COVID times. And again, uh, as I said, we support a whole host of hospitals. And I've had my colleagues in the patient care room and the ICU wearing the full PPE and attending these conferences, video conferences with me. So I've decided to take heart from what had happened and what continues to happen in India and the US and uh, really use this as a learning moment for all of us at GAVS and for myself. Well, I think I've got to spend a little bit of time with you. And, and besides your unbelievable, impressive resume, your story, your, your, just your personal story, which this, this whole program is about learning from leaders. Tell us a little bit about your personal story, your personal journey, how you got to where you are today. You know, some of that, those, those cool things in your life that you want to highlight. So I actually uh, did a small TED event and uh, the topic of my speech was inflection points. Uh, inflection points are really for mathematical nerds, Russ, is where the concave curve kind of becomes convex. Or those are those extraordinary moments which change your life. So uh, I have always been a believer of those inflection points. So I've actually uh, grown up in India. My father was a cardiologist. Um, I moved from the eastern part of India to the western part of India uh, and subsequently uh, did my engineering, chanced upon uh, a Byte magazine many, many years ago, found uh, the Apple ad to be very glossy. Uh, so it was such a mundane thing, like an ad in a Byte magazine, which led me to believe that it'll be great to try and do something in the computer industry. And uh, even when I was much younger, uh, my uncle lived in England and he'd brought us this beautiful picture book and sitting in warm, balmy India, I would leaf through those beautiful picture books for us and they were replete with the fall foliage, the winter, uh, the, the, the spring and uh, the lush flowers. So very early in life, I had also decided that it'd be lovely to make uh, the US or the UK my home. And now after being in the US for 30 years, uh, Simple moments like that, when, when I was all of six, seven years looking at that picture book and deciding how cool it would be to live in a foreign country like the US and uh, going through the Byte magazine and seeing computers and deciding that I'd love to make life uh, in the computer industry. And the fact that 
have been able to achieve many of that uh, makes me feel very blessed. Uh, so that's really what's defined me. Uh, very early in life, uh, always wanted to do something uh, slightly different, and uh, which I often tell my colleagues, belief is very important. I don't know how I got that, but very early in life, maybe because of my parents and the upbringing, uh, my favorite maxim has been that nothing extraordinary has been achieved by people unless they believe that something inside of them is much larger than the circumstances surrounding them. And that's what has driven me. Uh, there is uh, an incurable sense of optimism that I have managed to possess. And uh, I have been able to try and rebound from various personal and professional setbacks and tragedies. And uh, I came into GAVS uh, around 11 years ago uh, through a private equity. And before that, I came to the US uh, as the founding employee of one of the software companies. Uh, didn't know my uh, left side from the right side. That becomes very important because in India and in Singapore, where I was before the US, uh, we drive on the left side of the road. And you come to the US and you start driving on the right side of the road. I was convinced that the jug handles of New Jersey, if you know what I mean, were created to kind of conspire to kind of emotionally traumatize me. Where in the world do you go right when you want to go left? Only in New Jersey. <laughs> and, uh, but now uh, what we were able to do in my earlier company, Birla Soft, uh, I was able to pursue a joint venture with GE, walk the corridors of GE, uh, spent a lot of time with the leaders of GE in Atlanta, in uh, Connecticut, uh, in Albany, and uh, in upstate Massachusetts and New York. And what I learned from GE was this chutzpah that you can have the largest of the organization, but you can absolutely try and make very quick decision and consequential decisions. Uh, that again defined me. And uh, as I said, uh, around 11 years ago, came into GAVS through a private equity that I was with. And the intent has been, uh, uh, Russ, to try and create a purposeful organization, create a significant organization. And serendipitously, uh, we came into healthcare and I've fallen in love with healthcare. The fact that my father was a cardiologist and I spent a lot of time with him at the hospitals must have played a role again, some subliminal uh, messaging, but that's where I am. And uh, now uh, we are ready to create something interesting at GABS. Uh, our focus is, as I said, healthcare. Uh, we were again, very lucky and fortunate we came across a company called Premier Inc., uh, which is associated with 4,000 hospitals as a conglomerate. They do procurement for around $66 billion for these hospitals. And we've been able to create a joint venture with them, a company called Long 80, to try and do what we were doing for some of the other hospitals and bring some of the cost outs and efficiency and productivity gains in manage infrastructure 
through long ET. So that's where I am heading GAVs and long ET plus. So, so perfect transition. Uh, you mentioned one of your, your axioms, your personal beliefs. One of the ones I know you quote all the time is that culture eats strategy for breakfast. I've mean, actually heard it as lunch, but you're even backing it up farther in your day. That's great. What does that mean to you and your company? You know, it's interesting you asked this question, Russ. This morning, uh, just this morning, I spent a lot of time with a new group that I've created called Employee Experience. And uh, we've actually got two of our uh, key women leaders running that. And one of the interesting thing that was coming up, there was a little bit of a creative tension because the line managers uh, feel that uh, we are encouraging people to talk a lot about their experience. And uh, some or the other, the line managers felt a little intrusive. My comment to them was exactly this again, that uh, employee experience, giving them unconditional respect is what's the value and the bulwark based on which we are trying to create gas. Uh, we are not the largest of the companies. We are not the uh, smartest of the companies, but we could be uh, a very kind, a company which has our values being respect, integrity, trust, and empathy, and build this organization on these right values. Uh, I genuinely believe this, as I mentioned to you, one has reached an age where you can create an organization which is doing good, uh, making some major changes and creating purpose that is much larger and beyond just being a mechanism to sustain ourselves. And to that end, we want to recruit and attract profile of people who are more purposeful and, and build that. And I'm a very, very strong believer of that. I, I was, uh, one keeps reading about uh, different organizations, hedge funds, uh, which are uh, very aggressive, very pushy. Uh, what I have seen, if you really want to create a sustainable uh, leadership pattern, uh, there ought to be values that uh, help the organization grow. Uh, we will be able to retain uh, and we will be able to sustain people uh, for whom the client and what they're doing for the client becomes of paramount importance. So I am obsessing on this. And uh, for whatever it's worth, uh, employee experience, uh, creating an IT company with the same kind of service that Ritz-Carlton is known for, uh, if we can even create some semblance of service and culture in the organization uh, where we treat our employees almost as good as we treat our best clients, uh, I think I've achieved something here. And what's important is it's not just a feel-good maxim. Uh, this is also one of the more efficient ways to run an organization. Uh, it's an organization which is, I've repeated myself, sustainable, efficient, 
and productive. And we are an IP-centric organization. So we cannot use McGregor's X theory and run based on fear or uh, which worked very well during the industrial revolution. Uh, it is now, uh, if a flower is not blooming well in your and my garden, we don't immediately blame the flower. It's the, the soil. Uh, uh, we look into how are we watering it? What's the shade? And I think it's extremely important as leaders, we introspect, look into that first before we come down into looking at inefficiency within our employees. Wow. Yeah, one of my favorite sayings is always hire for fit and then train for skill. Uh, you I always like want those great people in your organization. Now, now, one of the things that you and I talked about before was, yes, you're a health IT company. Yes, you're a digital health. Yes, you're on the cutting edge of AI. But in the end, and you just mentioned this earlier, you're really a, a, an integral part of healthcare delivery, that yes. you see yourself just as much part of that and so I'd love for you to maybe pull on that thread a little bit and maybe you can give us a great example of what you were able to do in uh, the South uh, Bronx area. Sure. Uh, I'm personally uh, most uh, moved by what we've been able to do with this hospital one, but more important, I'm humbled by the, the trust that they reposed in us. Uh, when we really started off with them 10 years ago. And this is an important story, especially for all the Chime listeners and members, because very often uh, technology has been demeaned as uh, we kind of get obsessed on technology for the sake of technology, Russ, uh, and not look at technology as an enabler for more than just productivity and cost outs. This is an important one. Uh, this hospital in South Bronx uh, actually serves some of the poorer congressional district of uh, America. Uh, it was shy of billion dollars hospital, 2009, 2010. Uh, Medicare and Medicaid got defunded by almost 10%. Uh, Steve Anderman, uh, who has since been an advisor to uh, Gabs was the president at uh, this hospital. And he didn't have the luxury of cutting out clinical management like any of the larger hospitals because they serve some of the poorer congressional district and the, uh, the underprivileged population of America. So he looked at IT. Uh, there was a hospital, one of the larger hospitals which was serving their uh, infrastructure and they were spending significant amount. I can tell you it was almost $6 million per year. Uh, what he was able to do was that uh, he talked to all the larger uh, IT companies and he spoke with us. We told him what we had done in terms of infrastructure outsourcing and managed services uh, with some of the uh, companies in the areas of uh, airline and others, he took a leap of faith and we signed a multi-year contract, a 10-year agreement. What we did was the following. We took the entire servers that they had, virtualized them, created a private cloud for them in Weehawken, because again, as the crow flies, 
it was extremely important that latency and service uh, is maintained and that SLA is maintained. And we were able to create a data center as a service, variableize the cost, and we were able to create an offshore element to support them as well. And subsequently, we have been able to reduce costs by almost 40%. I repeat, around 40% over that $6 million. And they had to save suddenly in 2009-10, because of defunding, they were in a, in a situation where almost $70 million they didn't have. So we were able to save uh, almost 40% of the $6 million, providing them higher IT SLAs and built on that whole IT infrastructure, their security and what have you. And that money that was saved, Russ, was used for clinical management and clinical support of the population in South Bronx. So often within uh, this hospital in us, we often talk about that this was a true outsourcing with a heart because often we associate outsourcing with a giant sucking sound of jobs or cost out. And that is what we feel can be taken into some of the other hospitals right now. Uh, because of COVID, uh, you have elective surgeries that have not been happening. Uh, there is significant amount of cost that people are incurring because of the COVID vaccine. And if they're looking at transformation, if they're looking at disruption, they can look at what is core and what's non-core. And if you're looking at your classical infrastructure, and if we could partner along with Premier to do some amount of the advisory as well as this managed service outsourcing, it directly helps in cost saving. And that's really what we are focusing on through this joint venture, Long 80 and GADS. Uh, so I love, I love that, Sumit, and, and this concept of doing everything you can most efficiently with the highest quality of care too at the same time. What you've been able to do is, and, and, and I think, I'm not saying this is new for healthcare in the United States, but because of COVID and now so many people working remotely and looks like many staying that way, talent's kind of a, the world is flat model in which talent can be accessed and taken advantage of anywhere. You've done a good job of leveraging world talent, not just local market talent. Talk a little bit about how you approach keeping a team together, building a team when you're talking about worldwide talent. A uh, few things, uh, and I can mention this because it was quoted in public press. Uh, the president of uh, Premier's Performance Services, Lee Anderson, who has been the key founder of this joint venture that we've created with Premier Long 80, he went on to say that during COVID, the fact that we were able to create this virtualized desktop, which we have implemented some 4,000, 5,000 instances within Premier, that has helped keep the lights on within Premier in the US. And I'll have you know, Premier played a key role with the Vice President of America's office in deployment of the PPEs. Uh, you had 
uh, Lee Anderson directly worked with uh, uh, the vice president's office, the ex-vice president's office, uh, working on the PPE logistics and also ensuring that uh, where the spike was rising, they were able to reach the PPE. And we played a very key role out of India, Charlotte, and out of New York to ensure that the virtualized desktop where the premier leaders were using from their homes uh, worked absolutely with full reliability. So again, that's very humbling that in a small little way, we have played a role in this large overarching work that was done in terms of deploying PPEs uh, around the US. That's one. Now talking about talent, uh, again, I mentioned to you at the very beginning, uh, I've seen this in healthcare. We don't see that as much in technology, though I really love, and that's why I'm so keen to kind of work with you that you call it, call Chime, the first uh, term of your acronym is college. Uh, and I believe that it's extremely important that we become a learning organization. Uh, in healthcare, right, Russ, I'm of course preaching to a choir, any uh, hospital is more often than not associated with the university or is a teaching hospital or a learning hospital because they're able to get a lot of their uh, folks who are still learning to support them. And that's what we've been able to do in India and in the US. In India, uh, IIT, uh, Indian Institute of Technology, uh, Madras, which is really the uh, MIT equivalent. Uh, we have a partnership with them. Uh, Professor Nandan, who is a PhD from MIT in uh, big data and AI is an advisor to me and to Gavs. Uh, we are working with them and we've created this uh, Gavs and Premier Health Care Technology Institute in India. Uh, we've reached out to you, Russ, to see if we can get uh, Chimes uh, certification and board certification and also replicate some of your course curriculum in the GAVS Healthcare Technology Institute that we've created in Chennai. And mind you, we are not doing this only for GAVS. Again, in keeping with creating a purposeful organization, the call of the day in India is right now to have many more healthcare professionals and healthcare technologists. And that's what we're hoping to do by churning certified, reliable professionals in the healthcare technology area. Uh, we've tied up with Great Lakes Institute of Management, which is partnering with Kellogg School of Management. Uh, we have gone ahead and identified some engineering colleges where during their one year internship, uh, we are including some of the AI, Python, ML, uh, various technologies. So once they come out, they are available to the healthcare industry in India and to the healthcare sector in the US to support some of the rise in needs that we're going to see going forward. So that's one. The other thing, as I mentioned at the very beginning, uh, we have uh, in all humility, we compete for talent with the best of the best, be it 
the Accentures and the Deloitte's, the Ernst & Young. Uh, but what we think, as I mentioned to you, that if we can, and that's what America celebrates, we uh, absolutely celebrate the fact that we are smaller. I mean, we genuinely believe that we could be a David in the houses of Goliath and invite people who want to create IP, who want to be a part of incubating some of these newer technologies. So that's what we are doing. And you mentioned my doctorate program. It was not a vanity. I've been in America for now 30 odd years. I've represented Indian IT in the US, uh, Russ, and carried the flag of IT and India out here. What I did notice that we see so much of innovation out of Israel uh, because of their strong relationship with the army and the armed forces, uh, they've been able to create some fascinating technology. That is also a lot to do with the Israel national culture. And that's my thesis. My thesis is comparing and contrasting the national culture of India, US and Israel and exploring how it has a direct bearing on the novelty of innovation and culture of innovation in the IT firms. And these are the kind of things we are perpetually looking at and tweaking to see if we can attract a very different bunch of people into the organization and compete with some of the larger ones, which could be the Walmart of IT. But we are very happy to be a very niche and a company that absolutely measures customer success and be a concierge to our clients in terms of providing them support. So let's, let's talk a little bit about the leaders you're talking with today. I mean, if you just think about the super healthcare heroes they've been for the last year, all the stuff they've done, deploying technologies and remote care and it, all while still keeping their health system up and wave after wave of COVID, but on that front edge of digital health, I don't even like the word transformation. I call it a, a digital health revolution for our industry. You know, what do you see and hear from those leaders at the front? And, you know, I, I always worry every day that they're going to stress out and burn out. But what are you seeing from that workforce that's out there right now, especially around healthcare? Are there stresses and things we just got to address or are they just living their mojo and moving forward? You know, another quote of mine, uh, which I came across recently that I've been using is vulnerability is the mother of all innovation. I think it's a take on necessity is the mother of all innovation. Uh, I think last one year and we continue I think our vulnerability has been exposed to us. And therefore leaders have come to realize two things. One, you need to build an organization that's not fail proof, but which is able to work through some of these vulnerabilities. And two, there are the unknown unknown and you have to prepare for the unknown unknown. And two, suddenly core and non-core is become very prevalent. And you want to shed some of the superfluous and extraneous old ideas. So uh, digital or teledoc or remote telemedicine uh, 
it is here to stay. Uh, it would be a little shameful if we were to go back to the good old days. I mean, uh, you and I are talking right now. Imagine a time when I would have flown into Atlanta or flown into one of your Chime offices. You would have five or 10 different people sitting around looking very somber in the conference room and then we would do this podcast. While here, it's been truly very efficient that you call me, we decided on it, and we are not at loss in terms of efficiency or familiarity or the camaraderie that you and I are building over the last few days that we've been talking. So I think telemedicine is here to stay. I think it will grant tremendous amount of uh, productivity gain to the, for the population at large. Uh, I think carbon footprint uh, will definitely improve because uh, people will not have to drive uh, far away. And I think it'll help because uh, basic diagnosis uh, will be faster and it'll be all pervading and much more ubiquitous. Uh, in terms of uh, the world is flat, uh, we have now realized that someone from Utah can very well support hospitals in West Palm Beach. Uh, and they can actually do that out of Bombay. They can do it out of Tel Aviv uh, or they can do it out of Ukraine. Uh, and I think it'll be good if we are able to trap uh, the best that the world has to offer, though we have to be very conscious of our uh, local population as well, both in terms of job, in terms of their quality of life, but if you and I decide that the important thing first and foremost is healthcare and try and see what we can do to enable that, then suddenly the world is our oyster. And uh, I'm seeing, uh, I think this uh, in some way or form has been an eye-opening experience in, as a professional. And uh, someone from uh, Ashley Furniture was telling me that uh, COVID has entirely changed the way uh, people are buying uh, much, much more. And I think transaction, uh, which we thought would, could never happen uh, remotely, is happening. And I think you're going to see that in healthcare in a big way. So we, we've got a little bit of time left, and I'm going to pull on one thread in particular, because I love what you said earlier, and I wrote it in my notes here, is that you want your company to be purposeful. So with that being said, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have you do a little visioning here for me. Fast forward five years, what does success look like for you, for your company? Success definitely looks, uh, one very key thing is we are a private equity uh, backed uh, organization. Uh, so clearly economic value enhance economic value, uh, uh, return uh, to the stakeholders is important. Uh, but, but we want to do this, and I think Satya Nadella said it very well, that create a company which is profitable, which is sustainable, but yet doing a world of good for the people at large. And uh, we came across serendipitously onto healthcare, but we 
absolutely want to be an organization of significance in the healthcare space with a lot of help from the likes of you, from the likes of the other CIOs and CMIOs and others that I deal with. And in some way or form, if we can replicate what we have done with this hospital in Bronx, uh, Russ, whereby we bring in productivity, we bring in efficiency through our virtualized desktop, VDI, what has also happened is, and it's measured, the doctors, because it's a single sign-on, Russ, anywhere that they go, they can quickly sign on. They've identified there's a significant improvement in the doctor's attention to the patients because of the VDI that we've been able to provide. The data center as a service, uh, which can be so much of a nerdy discussion, has directly helped in the reliability of the hospital, which is really trying to be a paperless hospital. And when you have around 4,000, 4,500 uh, trauma or emergency patients coming in and you have a hospital which is reliable and is functioning with almost zero downtime. Uh, and the fact that GABS has played a role and Long AT has played a role in doing that in patient care, uh, it makes me feel good to be alive and to have an opportunity to uh, do that and to be able to be in a country that I wanted to be in from the age of six uh, to be in an industry that I wanted to be in from the age of 17 and to be able to be in healthcare that my father was an integral part of and be able to do something. I think I and my colleagues truly feel blessed. Kind of the last question here and a little bit of, uh, again, thinking a little bit into the future. You and I were even talking about it before we started this podcast of, of getting on the road and traveling again. And, and, and yes, we still got pandemic going on and there's still some horrific losses that we have to continue to respect, but we're starting to see the vaccines roll out. We're starting to see people move. Uh, I, I, I hate the term back to normal because life's just not normal. It's just new life as we move forward. Uh, Simon Sinek said it perfectly. These are not unusual times. They are just times. And as we move forward, what, what do you see is, is these next steps, whether it be for healthcare, whether it be for, for the world, as, as we exit this period of time? I think very important. First of all, I'm again, uh, I've been lucky. I live in New Jersey uh, and through GAVs, uh, been in conversation with some of the largest of the pharmaceutical and the life sciences companies, some of the presidents of these organizations. So uh, I have been intimately uh, have some ringside view into the work that they've done in creating these vaccines or the new prophylactics that they're trying to bring in, which will be like a pill that you have in, similar to Tani flu, Russ, uh, against this particular a virulent uh, uh, disease that we've uh, encountered. Uh, but I think two, three things. One, I think risk-taking is gonna go up. Uh, speed of decision-making is gonna be higher. I think use of AI, I think uh, what Moderna and Pfizer has been able to do with mRNA uh, shows you the power of technology. And uh, it is extremely important for us to harness uh, 
new technology and we had so much of naysayers to the newer technology of mrna and look at the efficacy percentage of that one compared to the traditional vaccines and i think it's time to ponder time to pause that it is we use the word disruption which is almost a violent word but it's one way to say that nothing is holy anymore and it is uh, it'll be a catharsis if we do not uh, embrace what we have experienced for the last one year and use ai use ml use robotics use automation to kind of speed up uh, what we are doing and and kind of uh, change the old way of doing uh, work and especially if in healthcare uh, if you are able to run a very efficient hospital if you are able to run a very efficient healthcare provider and payer it is directly contributing to the improvement in quality of life of the common man and i think we should be obsessing on that and using technology for it please well unfortunately i think our time is up for today on this program we greatly appreciate you and sharing so much wisdom with us and uh, you have uh, truly inspired me to continue my education and teaching and making sure that uh, I never go stale. So I, I greatly appreciate the role model you present for us and all of our listeners on the program today. Thank you very much again. The honor has been entirely mine. And I do hope that Gads and myself, uh, we play a very engaging role at promoting Chime, uh, both in India and in the US and in other parts of the world, Russ. Thank you. And I look forward to that time we can uh, break bread and then you're a nice case, a little non as well uh, along the way very soon. I would also like to thank all of you, our listeners, for joining us for this episode of the Leader to Leader podcast. You can visit us on Spotify or Apple or at chimecentral.org forward slash media for this and all of our podcasts. For now, take care. And if you're not going to stay home, wear your mask still and get your vaccine. Most importantly, be safe and God bless.